This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles this morning, if you would, and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Since the beginning of the year, we've been uh, going through a series entitled Sure and Steadfast and taking a look at what the Bible says about hope. When we talk about hope, we're talking about the confident expectation that we have in God based on the promises of His Word and His character. And so we find ourselves today uh, wrapping up that series in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start in verse number 12 if you want to find your place there in the Bible. If you have the Hui Kala app on your smart uh, phone or smart device, uh, you can pull up the Hui Kala app, click on today's message. There's a button that says fill in notes. If you click on that, it's going to open up a web browser for you. You still have time to download the app if you want to do that today. Inside that uh, fill in notes, it's going to show you everything we're going to talk about today. Every verse that I'm going to quote uh, from scripture is all going to be there in your notes. We have that available for you for every service. And so uh, make use of that and that'll help you follow along. If not, just grab a sheet of paper and jot some thoughts down uh, this morning or follow along in your Bible. Uh, next week, we're going to kick off probably the most ambitious sermon series that we've ever tried to go through in the history of who we call a Baptist church. Next week, starting on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock, we're kicking off a verse-by-verse study through the entire book of Romans. And I'm so excited about that. It's going to bring an extra pair of socks because it's going to knock your socks off. It's that good. Uh, if you want to get ahead uh, and do a little bit of homework, you can start reading through Romans chapter 1 uh, next week. We'll probably get through Uh, I'm guessing maybe verses 1 and 2, maybe. Uh, And so it's going to be a long study. No lie, I'm not exaggerating when I say it's going to take us a few years to get through the book of Romans. Because again, we're just going to go verse by verse through the book and just say what the Bible says. And so I want to encourage you to be here for that. Uh, That starts next week. And so uh, thanks for being here today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to start in verse number 12. (laughs) Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... Say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. Now stop for just a second. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, uh, hence the name of 1 Corinthians here. And he's saying, I've heard that there's some people around you saying that Jesus never really rose from the dead. And that's problematic. Uh, Again, we still have people today who uh, talk about Jesus in in flowery terms and say he's a good teacher, he's a prophet, uh, he said some good things. But he didn't really rise from the grave. He wasn't really the son of God. He wasn't who he claimed to be. And Paul says here that if Jesus Christ is not risen, which is the whole, the whole reason that we're here today is because Jesus Christ is risen. But if Jesus Christ were not risen, Paul is saying we've got a lot of problems with that. And he begins to outline those starting in verse number three, 13. Verse number 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not Christ risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain or useless and your faith is also vain and useless. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that Christ, so be that the dead rise not. In other words, verse 15 says, we're just a bunch of liars because we're telling you that Jesus Christ rose, but he didn't really. Verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain or useless, and ye are yet in your sins." Then they also which are fallen asleep or have died in Christ are perished. 
If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God even to the Father whom he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. When you look back at your life, and we have the, uh, the privilege of looking backwards in the rearview mirror, it's funny how uh, looking backward at our life, it's always 2020 vision. We can always see things very clearly when we look back. If you've lived any length of time, you can probably trace pivotal moments in your life where from that moment forward, nothing would ever be the same. Kind of one of those intersections in life that you don't really know that you're at until a little bit later. Remember, it's my senior year of high school, and my friend had recommended that, uh, he said, uh, I'm going to go this Saturday and talk to the Air Force recruiters. Would you like to go with me? I was like, man, sure, I don't know nothing about it, but I know this. I'm not going to college. That's a fact. And so I'll go talk to anybody that can get me out of this redneck town uh, without going to college. I'm for it. And so we go there, and the, the lights are off in the Air Force recruiter's office, and the uh, uh, Navy recruiter's next door said, hey, guys, come over here. The Air Force guys, they don't work on the weekends. It's like, oh, okay. And so... <laughs> Go over, sit down with the uh, Navy recruiter, and he begins to tell me about how he's seen the world, and he's pulled into uh, many a port, and he's uh, been on uh, Liberty. I didn't even know what that meant, but he's visited all these ports and seen all these things. And I've got my uh, my picture at the columns in Greece, and I've got my picture at the Eiffel Tower, and the Navy let me see the world. And I'm just, I'm a kid from a town of 4,000 people in western Kentucky, and I was just like, wow, tell me more. Uh, you know, like, hey, if you know, one of these days we'll pay for your college. It's like, I don't want to go to college. You can keep that. Uh, but uh, I was just like, tell me more about traveling the world. I want to hear all about this. And so before you knew it, me and my buddy had signed the line and, uh, at 17 years old to, to sign up for the United States Navy. No lie. As we're walking out of the, uh, the recruiter's office, the Air Force guys come back with their lunch bags in their hands. <laughs> they worked weekends. They were just at lunch at the time. That was the first of many lies that my recruiter had told me. That, uh, <laughs> the first of many. But I look back on that time, and, and a few months later, I would go to, to MEPS, and I would sign up for the job that I was going to be in, and, uh, you know, in the Navy, they say, choose your rate, choose your faith, whatever job you choose will alter the course of the rest of your life, and I chose a job that after boot camp, I'd go to follow-on school in Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola, Florida is where I happened to meet my wife, and we ended up getting married. Uh, our next duty station, I, got, I was on the phone with the detailer looking at my final uh, set of orders. I had two years left in the Navy, and I was going to get out, and uh, he began to talk about different places he could send me, and he said, well, I got a spot, and I could send you in Hawaii. I said, man, I'll take it, and he said, okay, and sent me the orders for that and again just like hey it is what it is I didn't really think a lot about it but as I began to look backwards I began to see like hey seeing that Navy recruiter that day got me to Pensacola where I met my wife and being in Pensacola is where I got orders to Hawaii which got me to Hawaii which is how we wound up here originally and then went to California for 10 years and came back and started Hui Kala in 2013 and again you look back at your life and you're like wow those were pivotal moments in my life like had I not met this person my life would be drastically different had I not been at this place at that time if I'd missed it by an hour or 30 minutes I might have wound up dead or something else would have happened and we look back at our life and see pivotal pivotal moments and crossroads in our life that bring us to where we are today. And I say that for a couple reasons. First of all, you're not here by accident this morning. God has brought you here. You might say, oh, it's a coincidence. I work with so-and-so or I know so-and-so from this or that the other. You're not here by coincidence because God always does everything on purpose for a purpose. Second thing, 
Whenever we look back at the crucifixion and the resurrection, we look at that as this massive, monumental event that took place. But I think most people in that day would just be like, hey, that guy that got crucified, did you hear that they can't find his body? Oh, yeah, I think I heard that his disciples stole it. No, 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 I heard that one of the Roman soldiers got paid off, and then uh, they ended up letting it happen. Hey, I heard the soldier fell asleep and doesn't know what happened. And it's kind of one of those things, it's just like, wow, that's really weird, isn't it? But again, you and I have the privilege of looking backwards. We look at that and say, wow, that was a monumental event in all of world history. When we talk about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're talking about the fact that Jesus Christ really died, was laid in a real tomb, dead as a doornail for three days, and on the third day, he stood up of his own power, walked out of the grave on his own two feet in bodily form. Now, some people who would try to detract from that story would say, no, it was more of a spiritual resurrection, kind of like a ghost, and uh, his spirit arose, but his body lay dormant. Uh, That's not an amazing event. That's just some weird spiritual mystical thing that happened, if that was the case. But the fact that someone dies, their heart stops beating for three days, and they stand up and walk out on their own power, you and I should perk up and listen to that. Again, false religion tries to detract from that and say, well, Jesus went into shock on the cross and he, 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 his body went into shock and he swooned uh, and they laid him in this tomb and the coolness of the tomb and rest over three days period helped him revive his energy and he walked out, but he never was really dead. Again, you can do everything you can to detract from the story of Jesus, but you can't take away resurrection power. When it comes to Jesus Christ, the bodily resurrection of Jesus is one of the greatest events in all of human history. This is something that once it took place, the world would never be the same afterwards. This is such a critical moment in all of world civilization history that we mark our calendar as the time before Christ, B.C., and Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. That this, this event, the resurrection of Christ, marks a new section of our calendar. Like everything would be different from this point on. We count the years based on how long it's been since Jesus rose from the grave. That's how big of a deal this is. And when we talk about the bodily resurrection of Christ, Jesus' resurrection was not a private event. It wasn't one of those things that happened and nobody really knows what happened. It's kind of shrouded in mystery and there was a couple of people who may have seen something or there's a couple ladies who talked to this guy who was wearing white clothing and he said that Jesus was risen, but we don't really know. The fact of the matter is, is that even secular, extra-biblical, outside of Bible history tells us that there was an event that took place where Jesus Christ was no longer where they laid him. Acts chapter 1, verse number 3 in the Bible tells us to whom he showed himself, speaking of Jesus, alive after his passion, his passion being his death, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't just show up from the grave for a couple of hours one afternoon and then split. He showed himself alive for 40 days after that. Paul here in 1 Corinthians, where we're at, 1 Corinthians 15 In verse number five, says that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, and then of the 12, and after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain into this present, but some have fallen asleep or died. 
After that, he was seen of James and all the apostles. And last of me, he was seen also of me as one born out of due time. So Paul says here, hey, he was seen by all the apostles. He was seen by 500 people in a gathering at one particular time. So this wasn't one of these things that we can say, well, you know, nobody really knows what happened. We know precisely what happened. And Paul would be so bold in this case here to be able to say, hey, of these 500 people, the majority of them are still alive and can back up what I'm saying. Now, some of them have died, but the majority of people that were there can back up with eyewitness proof what I'm saying, that Jesus Christ is risen. It wasn't a private event. And the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ was the crowning proof that Jesus was who he claimed to be, that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. Nobody could do these things other than than God himself. It's interesting to note, though, that Jesus Christ wasn't the first person to be resurrected. I don't know if you remember the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and when Jesus uh, found out that Lazarus had died, Jesus actually wept. Jesus cried. His sister said, Jesus, we tried to get a hold of you. We wish you would come sooner because he's dead and he's been dead and he probably stinks by now. And Jesus says, well, that's okay. I can, I can raise him from the dead. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus stood up and walked out of the grave. Fascinating story. Now, again, as I probably overanalyze and overthink things sometimes, but I think to myself, like, what happened to Lazarus when he died? Did he, like, go to heaven and was hanging out there for a minute, you know? Can you imagine, like, you, you, you died, you've gone to heaven, Lazarus finds out that there's a such thing as Chick-fil-A because they're going to have Chick-fil-A in heaven. It's the Lord's chicken. Uh, he gets there. He probably gets a side of barbecue sauce, maybe Polynesian sauce. He's up there. He's enjoying himself. He's having chicken minis for breakfast. He's having a chicken sandwich for lunch. He's having chicken nuggets at dinner. He's an ice cream uh, cone. I mean, like, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, coming soon to Baratania Street, it's going to knock your socks off. I'm just telling you. <laughs> The, 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 the mall, Alamona Food Court, I'm telling you, I'm going to start buying elastic pants uh, when that comes in. My forearms will be absolutely massive from carrying gallons of f- sweet tea home. Um, anyway, back to, back to Lazarus. <laughs> mm, fried chicken. Uh, Lazarus is in heaven, but then he, he, he wakes up in the tomb, and he's like, what am I doing here again? Like, no. Lazarus come forth, and he walks out, and he's just like, oh, great, I'm back here again. Hey, guys, how's it going? But here's the thing, Lazarus would die again. Think about that. Everybody was sad and mourned for Lazarus for three days, but he miraculously was resurrected by Jesus Christ, yet he would go on to die again one day. At some point, Lazarus is going to die. Here's the incredible thing about Jesus Christ that sets him apart from everyone else is the fact that Jesus died, he rose again of his own power, and he never died again, and he is still to this day alive fascinating. Who could do something like that? You and I couldn't do anything like that. Only God himself could do that. Now again, Paul's saying, hey, if that didn't really happen, then we don't really have a leg to stand on here. John chapter 2, verse number uh, 19, Jesus said this. He said, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, 40 and six years this temple was in the building, now we'll rear it up in three days. He spake of the temple of the body, and therefore he was risen from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Here's what Jesus says. Hey, in three days, I'm going to tear down this temple, and I'm going to raise it back up in three days. And everybody looks at it and goes, that's crazy. You can't do that. It took us 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to tear it down and rebuild it in three days? 
But Jesus was talking about his body. Jesus said, get this, this is how you know he was God. He not only prophesied how he would die, how long he would be dead, and the fact that he would raise again on the third day. Who can do that? Only God could do that. And so it's, it's interesting, again, when you, when you read John chapter 2, that after he was resurrected, his disciples said, oh, that's what he was talking about, the whole temple being raised again the third day. Even they walked with Jesus but didn't fully grasp the concept of what was getting ready to take place. Again, because this is a supernatural event that could take place by only God alone. But you see, without Jesus' resurrection, we really don't have anything to believe in, and faith is no longer necessary. That's what Paul says in verse number 13. Take a look at that uh, in our text. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 13. If there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Hey, look, if Jesus is dead this morning, if he was crucified and he died, and that was the end of the story, what do we really have to talk about this morning? I don't really have hope to give you other than the fact that some dead guy said that we might have eternal life, but he didn't himself. Some dead guy said that he was going to give us life everlasting, but he's dead, and I'm not really sure how to explain any of that. If Christ be not risen, we don't have anything to talk about this morning. If Jesus Christ is risen, hey folks, we can find, if Jesus Christ is not risen, we can find better things to do with our Sunday mornings. If Jesus Christ is not risen, I've got better books that we could read. But if Jesus Christ is risen, what will you do with that? If Jesus Christ is risen, what is your response to that? Is it faith? Again, Paul says, if Christ be not risen, we don't have faith. I often talk with people about faith, and faith is one of those unique things. The Bible says that we as Christians don't walk by sight, what we can figure out, but we walk by faith. And in talking with people about faith, sometimes I'll ask them this question. Hey, do you think that you know everything in the world that there is to know? And of course, all of us who are honest would say, no, we don't know everything. Okay, so here's what we know right here. Over here in the existence of things that we do not know, do not understand, and cannot comprehend is all the things in the world that we know for a fact we don't know. You with me so far? This area over here is known as faith. I don't fully understand it. I can't fully grasp it but I conclude that it is so. So again, you might say, well, I don't, I don't believe in God. Is there a possibility in this realm of things that you don't know, can't grasp, don't comprehend, aren't willing to believe in, that God actually exists? If the answer to that is yes, there's that possibility, then the question is, what do you do with that information? What's next for you? If Jesus Christ is risen from the grave, what does that mean for you? Because without Jesus' resurrection, the Bible itself is not true. Again, Paul says in verse number 15, if Jesus Christ is not risen, we're false witnesses. We're liars. We're telling you about something that did not really happen. <laughs> Isn't it interesting today that we live in a society, and again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I don't wear a tinfoil hat, and I don't join, the, I'm not a member of any secret societies, and I don't spend 
anytime on forums on the internet or anything like that. But isn't it interesting that we live in a society of misinformation and disinformation? Like you don't even really know what to trust. Like it used to be like you could turn on the news and they would say, hey, here's what happened today. But then sometimes you find out they're only telling you what they want you to know. And there's other things that you don't know. And there's been other times where people have been caught actively lying and telling you things that aren't true. We're showing you videos that wasn't really the, a video of the event. It was something that happened a few years ago, and you begin to scratch your head and go, wait a minute, what can I really believe? And Paul's saying here, hey, if Jesus Christ is not risen, then the Bible's not true. It's just a fairy tale book if Jesus Christ is not risen. But, get this, if Jesus Christ is risen, then it is true. And again, for many people, that's problematic. Again, it's easy we can let ourselves off the hook a little bit when we say things like, well, we can't trust the Bible because it's such an old book. Okay. We can't trust the Bible because it was written by men. Okay. We can't trust the Bible because it's been corrupted. Okay. We can't trust the Bible because it has so many contradictions in it. Okay. So then let's like walk through those. We can't trust the Bible because it's such an old book. What does age have to do whether or not we obey it or not? If it is the Word of God, then you and I are bound to obey it. Secondly, the Bible has, uh, is, was written by men. Well, the Bible claims it was written by the Holy Spirit of God, that it was actually breathed out by the breath of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration. That word inspiration means it was breathed by God himself. The Bible is has become corrupt over the years. Which parts? Which parts would you say are corrupt? Well, I'm not really sure. I'm just sure it probably is. Okay, what part of it? I'm not really sure. Well, here's the fact of the matter. I'm I'm just gonna be transparent with you. If there's parts of the Bible that we cannot believe as being true, then we can't believe any of it, right? If there's any part that's a lie, then it makes the whole thing null and void. It's all a wash, If at any point the Bible is corrupt, it's untrustworthy, and we can't believe in it, then we need to find something else to hang our hat on because this isn't a good place to to put our faith. And again, when people say things like, well, you know, it's it's been passed down over the ages and you can't really trust it. It's got so many contradictions. Uh, What contradictions? Which ones? Again, because people have spent their entire life trying to disprove this book, and they failed every single time. People have been trying to tear down the Bible since the first century of human civilization, since since it was written. Been trying to tear down the Word of God, and they haven't been able to. It's stood the test of time. And what I've often found in talking with people about the Bible is they don't have a problem with the fact that the Bible contradicts itself because that just isn't true. Generally speaking, most people have a problem with the Bible because it contradicts themselves. If the Bible's true then I have to change. I don't, tell you, I don't like change. If the Bible is true, then that means I have to admit that I'm wrong. And I don't like admitting that I'm wrong. If the Bible is true, then that means that there's somebody that's a higher authority than me that has to tell me what to do, and I don't like anybody telling me what to do. So it's easier to say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. It's a really old book. It's not my thing. It's not my jam. Uh, it's really corrupt. And, you know, religion's for feeble-minded, weak people and things along those lines. And just dismiss it outright. It's easier to say, well, the resurrection didn't really happen. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then the Bible isn't worth the paper that it's printed on. 
But if Jesus did rise from the grave, and he did, then that changes the entire conversation. Because now the Bible is true, and now you and I are 100% responsible for every single word that's written in it. Verse 17 says that if Jesus Christ is not risen, that you and I are still in our sins. This is the big problem. You see, our greatest problem that we have in this world is not racism, poverty, human trafficking, all those things, which are, are terrible, awful things that should be resolved for sure. But there's one way to resolve that, and it's through Jesus. Because the greatest problem that we have is sin. Our sin is our greatest need. And here's the fact of the matter is, we've all sinned. I love one of the kids up here, he quoted, the Bible says, there's, there's none righteous, no, not one. Like, yes, that's right. All of us have sinned against the holy God. All of us have broken God's law. God has requirements. We've broken them. We didn't meet them. 100%. No excuses. We just didn't hold up our end of the bargain. And because of that, because we've sinned against God, the Bible says that there's consequences for that. Because you and I have sinned against God, the Bible says that our sin has a price that must be paid. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, the wages of sin is death. Because we've broken God's law, here's what God says. Somebody has to die. The wages of sin is death. That's what I deserve. That's what you deserve. We deserve to die. And here's what happens when we die. The book of Hebrews tells us this. It's appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment. After we've died, we're going to stand before a holy God. And we'll have to give an account of our life. And let me just tell you this. You might consider yourself a good person who does good things, who tries to look out for other people. But the Bible says that in God's eyes, there's none righteous, no, not one. And when you get to heaven, there's not a scale where your good gets weighed out versus your bad, and then God makes a determination then whether or not you'll make it to heaven. Friend, when you take your last breath here on planet Earth, your eternal destination has already been settled. It's over and done with, and there's no second chances. Up until that moment that you take your last breath, you get the opportunity to choose where you spend eternity. But when you stand before God, there's a book called the Book of Life. And if your name is not written in that Book of Life, the Bible says you're cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. This is the second death. And so the fact of the matter is when it comes to our sin, either you can pay for your sin or someone else can pay for you, but someone has to die. So you can pay or someone else can pay for you. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ is willing to pay on your behalf. Again, you can pay by dying and enduring God's punishment in hell for all of eternity. Or you can allow Jesus Christ to pay the price for you. And Jesus paid the price of our sin in full upon the cross. That's why we're here today. That's why this church exists. That's why Christians do what they do. You may say, well, I've met Christians who don't do this or that. I'm sorry that they've tarnished the name of Jesus. I really am. But Christians are here because Jesus died to save sinners, and it's our responsibility, our job, our mission as a church to tell every single human being on planet Earth, Jesus died for you because he loves you. And he can pay for your sins or you can pay for them on your own. But somebody has to pay. Here's the thing, God wouldn't be a just God if he gave you a law but didn't give any consequences when you broke it. Did you know that in the city of, and county of Honolulu, if you park your car in a city parking stall and do not put money in the meter, 
and one of Honolulu's finest drives by and sees that red thing on the, your parking meter, they will write you a ticket for $35 and put it underneath your windshield wiper. How do I know that? My wife told me. Um, <laughs> I think she told me, sweetheart, you got another parking ticket. It's like, no. Um, if you, get this, if you uh, park in a red zone, like a loading zone like this, so like what we have out front of our church uh, here, if you get a ticket in there, it's $55. It ups about 20 bucks. How do I know that? Uh, I also know that through experience as well. Now, good news is you might be panicking for a minute. They don't write tickets on Sundays, and so you're in the clear for today. It's okay. Uh, but uh, again, there's, you break the law. There's consequences. Here's a, a life tip, a uh, life hack for you, if you will. If you get a parking ticket, think of that as your $35 all-day parking pass because you can't get two tickets in a day. How about that, right? You just keep that yellow thing under your, your windshield wiper and you get to park for free all day long, right? And you didn't know that by coming to church you learned life hacks, right? And so it's a lot easier to pay the $2 and get it over with, right? Uh, and so anyways, but here's the fact of the matter. When there's consequences for breaking the law, that's just justice. That's the way that it works. Jesus can't say, you need to obey my word, and we say, I don't want to. And he says, okay, that's fine. Don't worry about it. No, there, justice requires payment. And so you can pay or somebody can pay for you, but here's the problem. I can't pay for your sin. I've got my own sin that I have to pay for. There's not a church in the world that could ever pay for your sin. And let me just tell you this, any man or woman that tells you that they can forgive your sins is a liar because the Bible says only God can forgive sins. So again, anybody who says, oh, your sins be forgiven you, they don't have the power or authority to say those words. There's one person that can forgive your sin and it's God. So you can pay for your sin or someone else can, but that person that pays for your sin has to be someone who has never sinned before. Good luck finding one of those, except for Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. That means he didn't have an earthly father, which means that he didn't inherit the same sin nature that you and I did. And Jesus never sinned once a single solitary time. And the Bible says that he was willing to pay that price for us. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse number 8 says, But God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you, and he demonstrated that by sending his son to be publicly executed on the cross. That's the whole reason that he came, to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. Now, again, you can say, that's fine. I'll, I'll take care of my sin whenever I get to heaven. You can do that, but God has already told you how that works. You'll be cast into the lake of fire, which we call hell, for all of eternity, and there's no second chances. Or, if you're willing, you can say, I put my faith in Jesus to pay for my sins. And Jesus Christ's resurrection was proof that he has power over sin, death, and the grave. Jesus proved that. Again, if, if Jesus tells us that he can give us eternal life, but he is eternally dead, that doesn't give me a lot of hope, let's say. But Jesus Christ, by raising himself from the grave of his own power, has proven that sin has no power. Friend, you and I sin and we'll continue to sin. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ when I was nine years old, and from nine years old I have continued to sin. But I've continued to be forgiven of that because Jesus has already conquered sin. Jesus has power over sin. Jesus conquered death. You and I will die physically one day, but you don't have to die after that. You can be given eternal life because Jesus has already conquered death. 
For me, I don't fear death because death is simply a transition period to eternal life. Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse number 16, we heard one of the kids quote it this morning, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, shall have everlasting life. So again, you don't get everlasting life because you're good or because you've done good things or because you try to live a good life. You get everlasting life because Jesus lived a perfectly sinless life and gave his payment for your sins. That's the way this works. So his resurrection proves that he has power over sin, death, and the grave. Here's the fact of the matter. If Jesus Christ has power over sin, death, and the grave. He's given that victory to you and I as well. Did you know that Jesus Christ was laid in a borrowed tomb? He didn't even have burial arrangements. You know why? He wasn't planning on sticking around long. Angela and I, uh, three years ago, had the opportunity to go to London, and uh, we'd gone there on our honeymoon. We went back again for our anniversary, and uh, this time we had the opportunity to do one of the awesome things. It was a Christian heritage tour in London and taking you to major sites through, through biblical and church history and things like that and just showing you awesome stuff uh, in the city of London. And we went to uh, uh, a graveyard that was there and Paul Bunyan, uh, not Paul Bunyan, John Bunyan. Paul Bunyan had uh, bathed the blue ox. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's been a long week. Uh, John Bunyan, uh, the author of Pilgrim Progress, w- was buried there in, the, in that uh, uh, that cemetery, uh, John Wesley, his house was there, and they have converted into a church, and his, his uh, uh, grave plot was there. And sometimes when people go to Jerusalem, they, they take a tour of the Holy Land and things like that, and they'll take them to a garden tomb, and they'll say things like, well, we think that this was probably the to- tomb that Jesus was laid in, and uh, people uh, stand outside and take their picture and go inside, and guess what? It's empty. Big shocker, right? But here's the fact of the matter. Nobody gathers around the grave burial site of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because he was only there for 72 hours. He's gone. He's risen. We don't gather together to celebrate a dead prophet. We gather together to celebrate a risen king. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to do that. We get together to gather together with the body of Christ and do it. And again, we don't just celebrate a risen, resurrected king Once a year on Easter Sunday, we do it 52 weeks out of the year. We're here every single Sunday because on the first day of the week, Jesus Christ rose again from the grave, and he is alive forevermore. You see, to be saved, you have to believe in Jesus Christ and be willing to turn from your sin. Jesus says in John chapter 3, if you get nothing out of today's message, you need to hear this. Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse number 3, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. The only way for you to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you want to go to heaven, Jesus is your only hope. You can't try to do better. You can't work harder. You can't be a better person. You can't do good stuff to cover up for all the wrong that you've done. Again, when we think of terms of justice, you go to, to get a $55 parking ticket and you go to the judge and you say, but judge, I'm a really good person. I go to church every Sunday. He's going to say, yeah, 55 bucks, pay it. No, but like I did some really good things this week that I wanted to tell you about. Yeah, you can keep that. You've broken the law. You must pay the price. And unfortunately, many people get, stand before God one day in judgment. And they say, but wait a minute, I did a lot of really good things for you in your name. 
And Jesus himself said, many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And here's what he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. And so, again, it's less important that you know the name of Jesus and more important that Jesus knows your name. And so the only way that you can make it to heaven is this, and I'm going to make it really clear for you today. If you've never been saved or born again, you need to perk, perk up for just a second. Jesus Christ loves you and died for you to pay for your sin. The only hope that you have is to put your faith and trust in him. Again, that area of things that I don't fully understand and can't grasp, but I believe to be so, that's faith, and that's what it requires for you to be born again. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he rose again the third day, and I'm asking him to save me and forgive me of my sins. That's it. Well, do I have to join the church? Nope. Do I have to be baptized? Nope. Do I have to like, come forward in a church service? Nope. Do I have to sit down and make a meeting with the pastor? Nope. Because again, this church is not the way to heaven. Baptism is not the way to heaven. Church membership is not the way to heaven. A meeting with the pastor is not the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to heaven. That's it. And so if you've never been saved or born again, it's just simply faith. I really believe this to be so in the depths of my soul. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he's the only way to heaven, and I'm asking him to save me and forgive me of my sins. And the Bible says you could be saved in a split second. But you see, if Jesus is not God, then he's just another dead religious leader. Simple as that. History is littered with people who claimed to have some new world religion or a new way of doing things, and they're all dead today. If Jesus Christ is not risen, then he's just a, a guy who gave us some leadership platitudes and some feel-good principles to follow. If Jesus is not risen, but if Jesus Christ is risen, he's a resurrected Savior, and he's the only hope that you and I have. And here's what Paul says. Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ... We're of all men most miserable. In other words, if the only hope that you have for Jesus is, uh, is in this life, you've missed out on the best part of Jesus. Jesus gives you hope not just for today and for tomorrow and for the rest of your life, but for the rest of eternity. And so Jesus rose from the grave as a way to show you that you can be forgiven. You might be saying, well, Pastor, you don't know the things that I've done. Frankly, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't care the things that I've done. I just know that Jesus is enough. We take a look at just some final thoughts here this morning. First of all, the resurrection of Jesus marked a turning point in all of human history. The world would never be the same after the event of that Easter morning when Jesus rose again from the grave some ladies had gone to the grave to prepare the body to go through the embalming process, but they found that the stone was rolled away and it was empty. And they said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus Christ is alive. And that changed all of human history. That's why you and I are seated in this room this morning, because of that event that took place that morning. That's why this church exists today, because of what took place on that morning. Pivotal time in human history. But I want to take it one step further and say this. Today could be a pivotal moment in your life right now. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you can be saved today. You can be born again today. You might say, well, you know, faith, that's not really my thing. Maybe you shouldn't make it your thing. It's funny because sometimes we try to clean up our act and then come to Jesus. 
Jesus doesn't need that from you. He just needs you to come to him until he'll take care of the cleanup work. And honestly, if, if we're honest, generally when we try to clean up our own mess, we in, you generally end up making more of a mess of our situation anyways. It's best to just leave it to the professional, which is Jesus. He's in the restoration business. So for some of you, this could be a pivotal day today. You put your faith and trust in Christ, nothing will ever be the same again. Some of you might be saying, well, oh, no, I put my faith in, in Jesus when I was a teenager. Then maybe this is the opportunity for you to come back to your father the way that you should. Maybe you've been a- wandering away for a little bit too long and you need to come back where you belong. This could be a pivotal moment for you. Some of you, maybe you're on the fringes of living for Jesus sometimes and living for Jesus, living for the world some of the time. Now's the time to be just fully on living for Jesus. Today, Easter Sunday, could be a pivotal moment in your life. I talked to so many people today who Easter Sunday was their first Sunday five years ago, four years ago, two years ago, one year ago. There's a half dozen people that are here today, this morning, that have been walking with Jesus for the last 12 months because they came to church Easter Sunday last year. This could be the, really the time in your life where you said, hey, I remember that Easter Sunday 2022 when God changed my life forever. That could be your story the resurrection of Jesus also proved his love for you. You might have made a, a wreck of your life, but God delights and enjoys him putting together things that no one else can. That's the kind of father that he is. He loves you. He loves you exactly the way that you are. Again, you don't have to clean up your act and come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. I want to be really clear with you this morning, though, that you can come to Jesus just as you are because Jesus loves sinners. But make no mistake, he loves you far too much to let you stay as you are. You've got to change. Again, if the Bible is true, and it is, it means that you and I have to change. And God loves you too much to just leave you where you're at. He requires you to change. And please understand that God doesn't require you to change because he's trying to snuff out your good times. God's requiring you to change because he wants to increase and multiply your joy. Once you start following Jesus, you're going to realize, wait a minute, this is what I've been missing. Like everything clicks now. Everything fits together. And again, you can start to look in that rearview mirror and see things in 2020 vision now and say, oh, wait a minute. I see how we wound up in Hawaii. I see how we found that invitation to church. I see how what God was doing that whole time to bring me to the seat that I'm seated in today to hear that God loves me and he's never forgotten me, not for a split second. Everything in your life brings you to the point where you are today to tell you that God loves you and he died for you and he rose again because of his love for you. The resurrection of Jesus has the power to save your soul for all of eternity. Here's the great news about becoming a child of God. The Bible says that you're, before you knew Jesus, you were the enemy of God, but by being saved or born again, you're adopted into the family of God. And the good news of that is that when you are adopted into the family of God, you're a son, you're a daughter forever. Sometimes people think, well, like, if I do too much wrong, then I'm, I'm no longer saved. If I do too much wrong, then I'm no longer a child of God. God adopts you into his family, and once he adopts you into his family, you're his child forever. He doesn't kick his kids out of his family for bad behavior. And again, mind you, when you were given everlasting life through Jesus Christ, how long is everlasting good for? 
everlasting. How long is eternal life good for? It's good for eternity. It's not good until the next time you blow it or the next time you sin or the next time you mess up or the next time you turn your back on God, God takes it away from you. What kind of loving father would give you a gift and every time you misbehave, he would take it back and hold it from you? That's not the heart of our father. He's offering you eternal life. All you have to do is reach out and receive it by faith. And so if you're here today and there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, now's your opportunity. Final question I have for you today, have you been born again? They said, well, I think so. Being born again, is, it's really black and white. It's binary. It's ones and zeros. It's yes or no. You know, I've never met somebody who's kind of pregnant. <laughs> I've made the mistake of asking before. <laughs> and look, unless somebody looks like they swollen a, swallowed a beach ball, I, I don't even ask anymore. And I'm just like, uh-uh. Because you can't be like kind of pregnant. You can't be kind of born again. I'm kind of saved. No, you're not. You're either saved or you're not. You're born again or you're not. You're saved or you're lost. Those are the only two categories that you have. And so if you say, I don't think that I'm born again, the question I have for you today is, why? Why? Maybe it's because you're so full of pride that you don't need the help. <laughs> Ladies, I don't know that you know that guys have this game that we play when we go out to lunch with one another. It's who's going to buy, Right? And we all fight each other to whip out our debit cards the fastest and pass them to the waitress. Sometimes if we're at a restaurant, we'll get up and say we have to go to the bathroom and actually find the waiter back in the kitchen and slip our uh, debit card to him. Because why? Because we don't want anybody to pay for us, right? That's just kind of how we are. It's like a, a macho thing that us guys do, right? Now, if the bill gets really expensive, it's like, hey, man, if you want to pay it, thank you. Praise God for that, you know? What a blessing you are to me. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. When it comes to, to your sin, you don't want to pay for that, guaranteed. So, but, but maybe you're, you're of the mind, like, I don't need anybody to pay for me. Trust me, you do. Maybe you're at the point in your life where you say, I've got a bunch of sin and I don't want to leave it behind. I promise you, you do. The Bible says that you're a slave to your sin and all you get to do today is be cut free from that and walk in the freedom that Jesus Christ offers. Maybe you say, I can't wrap my brain around how all this happened with the resurrection and things like that. I'm with you. Can we both agree that this is in the area that we don't fully understand, but we're willing to accept because God said it to be so? That's where faith happens. That's where faith works. I don't get it. I don't understand it. How does it happen when we're all going to die one day? Or do we spiritually stand before God? Does he really have a literal book that has our names written down in it? I don't fully know, but I just know that God says it. And so I grasp onto that because it's true according to God's word. That's where faith works. And you say, well, I'm not a person of faith. You can't be born again without faith. And so I just want to encourage you, believe in Jesus. Of anything in the world, it's the thing that makes the most sense that we can hang on to. Again, when I talk with people, I say, you know, what do you think happens when we die? Oh, I think if you're a good person, you go to heaven. I think if you're a bad person, you go to hell. Where do you get that from? I don't know. I just think that it makes sense, okay? What you've done in your mind is you've created your own religion where you are the arbiter of who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Well, I believe that after we die, it's like lights out, you know, just we cease to exist. What do you base that on? I don't know. It's just what I think. So again, you and I automatically assume the role of the smartest person in the room that's got life figured out. But look, I'm smart enough to know how dumb I really am. 
I need help. I need somebody that's smarter than me, that's ahead of me, that can teach me. And that's what I find in the Word of God. So if you've never been born again, let today be that day that you put your faith and trust in Christ and say, I believe in Jesus. And I'm telling you, everything changes from there. If you, there's been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again and you would identify yourself as a Bible-believing, born-again Christian this morning, I would challenge you, if you're not part of a church family, jump into this one or another Bible-preaching church, put your roots down, begin to love and grow and serve, and don't ever look back. Grow in the grace that Jesus has given you. But here's the thing. The tomb is empty today, and we gather together to celebrate that. But we're going to celebrate it every single week until Jesus Christ comes back for us. One day you and I will stand before God, and I want to help you stand before God one day with a lot of joy, not regret. And the empty tomb today says that you are loved and you are forgiven. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.